It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. It's the Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Sammy James. This is your weekly ringside analysis of everything to do with Fulham FC. As this bank holiday weekend, an audacious attempt was made to conquer a glorious undefeated record. And unlike Jack's mate, Conor McGregor, Fulham came away from East Anglia with the scalp to derail Ipswich's attempt at an unprecedented 100% winning season. Um, pulling no punches tonight on the podcast, it's Farrell Monk. Good evening, everyone. Ben Jarman. Hello, friends. And Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. So coming up in tonight's podcast, we'll be talking about everything to do with the 2-0 win against Ipswich on Saturday. A ton of transfer rumours, including a certain hotter. Who? It's getting hotter and hotter. It is getting hotter and hotter. It's actually really cold in here, but anyway. uh, We'll also be looking at the international break, uh, looking what's ahead in these couple of weeks uh, for Fulham. No games, but there'll still be plenty of talking points as well. And, of course, your questions at the end. But first of all, we need to do uh, the three-word reviews from Saturday. So I think Jack has them all fired up. A great 2-0 victory. Less three-word reviews, I imagine, than when we lost 1-0 to Sheffield Wednesday, because that's just the way it is. That is just the way it is. Um, We have some good ones, though. Morgan Calton worried us never. Um, I enjoyed that quite a lot. I very much enjoyed N. Bowman's Tractor Boys Stalled. I think the pick of the lot was uh, Rick Cardis for me, who just said newbies and Niskins. Very good. Very good. Well, um, thank you for your three-word reviews. Uh, You can get back involved with that after the Cardiff game in a couple of weeks. Uh, Before we start today's podcast and look at that Ipswich game, just to let you know that this season, Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes. And as a special offer for Fulhamish listeners, you can bet £5, get £20 right now at bet.fulhamish.co.uk. £25 to play with, and it'll only cost you a fiver. So go to bet.fulhamish.co.uk and pick up that offer. Shout out to you guys that have been tweeting in uh, that you've taken up the bets as well as our free beers as well from Beer52. Do let us know uh, if you use any of the offers. We always love to hear about it. Right, without further ado, let's look back at Saturday's game against Ipswich. We were all there as Fulham went up to Portman Road. What a lovely ground, by the way. I really enjoyed that. Nice old ground, isn't it? Top away day. A big 2-0 win on the road at Ipswich Town. First win of the season coming at the fifth attempt. Um, Jack, it was a confident performance from start to finish. There only ever looked like one winner in this game from minute one to minute 90. Yeah, 100%. We looked excellent right back where we sort of kicked on from last season and really, really good performance from pretty much everyone, I think. I I don't think you could pick anyone particularly out for... For criticism in the in the whole of that, aside from you know potentially some substitutes, but we'll leave that for now. Um, <laughs> and yeah, just in general, a really good day, a really good day out, a really good performance, and, and not much to complain about. The Ipswich goal lived a charmed life for much of the first half. Seth Joe uh, probably spurred the best chance after a beautiful build up between him and Cabano, and Cabano was one of the many standout players in that game. We'll come on to him, I imagine, a lot uh, with his goal and an assist. But I did worry for a little bit. We were wasting quite a lot of. Chance chances and that's been a theme of Fulham so far this season I was thinking we haven't made this first half an hour count obviously we did in the end but Slav might be a tad worried that that might continue and against better teams we may get a little bit punished the whole Fulhamish crew I think this weekend were sort of on tenter hooks after that first half hour because we sort of thought you know we're wasting a hell of a lot of chances and it could be the same old story that we had in the first uh, few games of this season and uh, a number of games last season where we would be quite incisive up until around the final third and when you got into the box and then we spurned a lot of opportunities. And I think if any chance in the Ipswich game summed it up, um, the Steph Joe opportunity was probably the the, the one to sum up all all of our uh, lack of incisiveness in that in that first um, sort of like half an hour or so. We all thought it was going like straight into the bottom corner and we were absolutely astounded when the, the keeper saved it. But obviously... After that Niskin's goal, it was very clear that sort of like the nervousness um, drifted away from the squad and 
and we just went through the motions and um, at, at times we looked back to our, our, our brilliant best. Yeah, Farrell, I'll come on to you with uh, the Neeskins point. Seven goals last season. I think it was seven. I'll have to double check that. Uh, would you agree, though, this was one of his best performances in oh. a Fulham shirt? It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of his best. He's, always, he's been a bit of a consistent performer ever since he got over his initial injury problems at the start of last season. Yeah, but we've seen what he's... Um, like at full flight and Saturday was a joy to behold watching him absolutely terrorise there uh, the Ipswich defence going in and out inside, outside taking two, three players on and you know his decision making was really good he seemed to be doing all the right things uh, playing tricks when he needed to play tricks playing it simple when he needed to play simple and he was just totally effective dare I say it as good as Aluko uh, in full flight. Yeah, we will come on to uh, the Aluko rumours later. And that goal, although it looked very simple because he was completely unmarked uh, and it was a lovely cross from Fredericks who put it on a plate for Neeskins, he has that natural movement within the box. He made that space for himself, even though it looked like, yes, the Ipswich players didn't pick him up. He just has that, he had that two or three steps away from the defenders that kind of can't really be taught in an attacking player and he definitely just has that natural ability in him. Yeah, he looks like one of those the old inside forwards that used to be able to create space for themselves and and pop the ball away whenever you, whenever you needed them to and I think that's what sets him apart from the rest of our wingers, Aluko being one of them and if you just look at um, Niskin's conversion rate against Aluko, so Aluko scored I think it was eight or nine last season um, from 114 shots um, and then Niskin scored seven from uh, just over 30. So it goes to something to say that uh, obviously Niskin is, is a very good and accomplished finisher. Um, and Aluko, maybe maybe not as much, but I think Aluko offers something slightly different. But Niskin's done a complete sort of like 180 from his performance against Bristol Rovers and where he probably arguably was the best player on the pitch, maybe. Um, and he tried to force play where possible, but... The, this game, he was completely untouchable, and um, he he was uh, what set us apart, especially in the attacking further the pitch from a lot of uh, the other performances we've seen. Now, Ipswich um, was certainly not the best opponents that we've faced so far this season, Jack. But it was easily the most comfortable that Fulham looked so far this season, regardless of opposition. What was it about Saturday that clicked in your eyes, as opposed to the four previous league games that we've seen? I think that. Our midfield three had had a, an amazing game again, and and that was the difference. Tom Kearney looked back to you know his brilliant best on on Saturday, and we all know how much that changes the dynamic of how Fulham play. You know, just some of the times he'd be able to make space for for the fullbacks who were bombing on. Sessegnon had a wonderful game. Ryan Fredericks had a great a good game as well, um, and I think that it, when that clicks and and that sort of Kearney passing machine starts to really churn out kind of incisive and and forward thinking passes for Fulham, we look so much more dangerous because you know that we we don't look like we're so hesitant in the middle and we don't let teams get back behind the ball and and press us out so i think that once kenny started pulling the strings and ipswich did stand off him you know probably too much um but once he started pulling the strings in the middle it looked like we were op opening up opportunities left right and center and even you know then when then it gave the space for steph to sort of start making charges forward and, and then breaking his own lines and when he does that then you know defenders don't know whether to come or go and we push and pull teams around until the spaces open up and that's exactly what happened on saturday we you know very much put you know ipswich where we wanted them and then and then worked them until we found those openings and yeah we didn't convert as many as perhaps we'd hoped but ultimately we kept creating chances right till the end of the game to be honest mm. And we didn't sort of lay up at any given point. And I think that that's the difference between all the performances we've seen this season, which have been, you know, slightly more abject, if, if you will, where we have that kind of incisive passing metronomic kind of middle ground going. And we then basically put teams into a position where they're on the ropes and we just keep hitting them until something, you know, until the knockout blow is landed, to use your analogy, Sam. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of the most impressive things. And we've, we've seen it time and time again is um, the... Uh, the fact that when the breakdown of you know if they Ipswich win it back, how quickly Fulham then win it back from them straight away. There's and just gives them no moment to rest, and it just absolutely just a war of attrition 
going at them, at them, at them, at them every I find step of the it, way. I find it amazing how Fulham can make professional football teams look amateur at times the way they can't keep the ball for more than three or four passes, yeah. which kind of is what we you see at Sunday League almost sometimes. Yeah. Like, this, is a, this is a team that's won four on the bounce and there was at points at times where I was like, God, do these... Can these guys actually play football? Are they any better than what I see down the Sunday on Clapham Common? Obviously they are, but that's testament to Fulham's pressing abilities and, and we saw it in action loads. If you directly compare the Ipswich performance to that of Norwich in the first uh, first game of the season, you could see that we were trying to press Norwich high and we were trying to press them hard. Um, but this time around against Ipswich, we again, we pressured them uh, high up the pitch, we pressured them quite fast, but there was structure to it. And I think that's where the two differences in performance came in. Norwich seemed to be like a bit of a headless chicken from the, the forwards and the wingers. Whereas this time it was structured. If one if one part of the team went, then it would have a couple of supporting and and, the, and, uh, and another positions would, would draw in more narrow in order not to overcommit ourselves. Against Norwich, a lot of the time we found ourselves overcommitted in the midfield and very easy to play through and therefore our centre-backs become very exposed. Against Ipswich, we obviously had the imperious um, Kevin McDonald back and I thought he didn't put a foot wrong um, throughout that 90. And um, he cleared up everything that came his way and kept recycling that possession. And what is blindingly obvious, that as soon as we have a Tom Kearney that's over sort of like 70 or 80% fit, that everything goes through him and we look absolutely brilliant. Um, and I thought... Um, you know, this time around, we'll be absolutely untouchable against some of the best teams in the league. And something we also said in the in the podcast last week is that we don't really do a hell of a lot of diagonal or over the top passing. And this was a feature of our performance this week: was the diagonals out to the the right and left backs, um, and the through ball over the top to Rui Fonch, and also to um, Stefan Johansson at points. Mm. Um, I think Jack would probably like to say something about when. AK got in the way of Steph Joe, but um, we might leave that till a bit later. How did we think that Shea Ojo got on? It wasn't his debut because obviously he did that on Tuesday uh, against Bristol Rovers, which I guess actually I, I'd kind of forgotten that we do slightly almost need to address because it was a terrible performance. But on Saturday, he he looks like a completely different player to that that we saw against Bristol Rovers. It was a really poor performance in the cup, but I, I thought he was thoroughly impressive on the right-hand side, linking up with Fredericks well. I've got to agree. Um, you know, Bristol Rovers was uh, probably, I don't know how much Ojo has actually played before he joined Fulham, whether he's actually had a match practice in, you know, Liverpool under-23s or whatever. Um, but it was kind of... You know, once he had got got that first game under his belt, he was absolutely flying for large parts of of Saturday, and I was thoroughly impressed because I, after Tuesday, I I was thinking, well, we got a dud here. Um, you know, not that I didn't think he was going to get any better, but you know, after Saturday, I've got every confidence in him that he could be our starting winger from for every game from now on. I still don't think he's even at fully at his hundred percent. I've seen, you know, he was. He played well on Saturday. He still still seemed a little bit reluctant to take players on, but I think as confidence comes back through, you know, through him and, and as he starts to develop further within the squad, that will come because that's definitely quite a key part of his game and has been up to this point. Um so I was a little bit surprised at the amount of times he just held the ball and waited for the overlap. Um that's not to say there's anything wrong with that. And you know, that's yeah. that's obviously a, a useful tactic and one we, we utilize at points very well. Um he had a f- couple of good shots saved. Uh, he, you know, he made a few, you know, dark, lively runs, and I think that yeah, he looks like he really could be, you know, a, a very good player for us this year. And you know, it's it's easy to say that after one good performance, um, and on on Wednesday or Tuesday night, he was he was pretty much you know absent, but mm. it was you know it was nice to see him looking better with better players around him. And he was the one that tweeted afterwards saying, "I'm still not 100, percent but I'm getting sharper." Um, and I think that's got to be a good sign if he he feels that that kind of performance where he did well and and you know didn't necessarily particularly put a foot wrong, you know in in particular. As I said, I think there's more to come from him, but I think we we're seeing this, the start of something something good. What was um, probably played into our hands was the fact that you know with um, the overlaps of Fredericks and Sessegnon, who were both very effective at the weekend, uh, especially for Ojo, who kept on sort of sort of going, starting to sort of go inside to think about having a shot and then immediately we play it outside for Fredericks who would then get a good cross in. Uh, what played into our hands was the fact that Ipswich had four strikers on the pitch and 
you know, Martin Waghorn isn't really known for his lambasting, you know, work rate up and down the right hand right hand channel chasing fullbacks to stop a cross. Um, so that probably did play into our our hands quite a lot, but you know, used it to our full advantage. It was a weird thing on Saturday because it was such an understrength Ipswich team, and this is not an Ipswich team that uh, would have struck that much fear into us at full strength so for it to be so under strength but then again they'd won four in the bounce and it was a real it was a side full of confidence and a side that was scoring every single time they seemed to have a shot this season so it was a difficult proposition uh, in that sense um Mick McCarthy said after the game, uh, call the police because there's just been a murder on the pitch. And lots of Ipswich fans were saying that uh, Fulham are the best side they've seen at Portman Road since Fulham last Boxing Day. Yeah, I've been saying to people all weekend after that performance that I think we're actually going to win the World Cup this year because it was just an absolute joke how good they, how good Fulham were. But not without his blemishes. I mean, there was a, a big mistake from McDonald. I mean, I don't want to criticise him too much because... He is exceptional for that us. That played in McGoldrick. Yeah. Yeah, that could have possibly been far more costly than it was. Yeah, it, was, it would have been an absolute soccer punch if it happened. Um, I think it, uh, David McGoldrick's mind might have been on Baby, which is uh, <laughs> which is due any moment now, I believe. In fact, I think actually he was a doubt for... Jack, were you telling me this? He was a doubt for Saturday's game and in brackets it said impending birth of baby. Yeah. In brackets. Was supposed to, it, was, it was, I think, I believe that the baby was due on... Baby was due on on Saturday, so I was surprised that he was in the squad. To be honest, and he was given leave of absence, so as in he obviously decided that the baby could wait, um, <laughs> or you know the baby wasn't on the way as quite as impendingly as, as as people thought originally. But you know I was surprised that he played anyway. Surely his head was not one hundred percent in the right space. This time, well, around this time last year or a couple of years ago, you had a baby. No <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> news, everyone. Um, we yet to meet Baby Farrell. <laughs> lost that weight quite well, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, a guy from my Sunday team uh, turned up one morning and was just like, "Oh, can you um, just hold my phone for me? Uh, and if it rings, can you just answer it and then let me know?" I was like, "Why is everything okay?" Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's just um, my wife's due today, so um, I was like. Whoa, fair play to you, <laughs> turning up on a Sunday morning in the middle of nowhere to play football and your wife's about to give birth. Ooh, hero. Dedication to the Sunday League. Uh, that second goal, which was scored by Rui Fonch, am I pronouncing that correct? It's like a Rui. CH at the end, Rui isn't it? Fonch. Rui Fonch. Um, masterful turn and shot from Niskin Scabano and on the uh, Channel 5 highlights, they were uh, saying the old story about how he's named after Johan Niskins mm-hmm. and they said as the turn and shot went in that uh, it was a turn and shot that he would have been proud, the Dutch legend. It was absolutely beautiful. And then the rebound from Font. I personally, we were the other side of the pitch from the goal in that away section. Yeah. I just didn't even think there was a chance it could go in. I just didn't even think it was a possibility. I thought it was going to be a cross back into the box. Such an acute angle. But what a um, what a way to get your first goal. I like the way he, he came onto the ball and opened up his body to give him a bit more of an angle than, than we all thought he had. So... That's obviously based on the replays, but at the time, like you said, I I thought it was mild, it was much too acute for him to be able to firstly elevate it enough t- so that it got over the the defenders and the and the, co- and the keeper, and secondly, um, to make sure that it hit uh, where it hit the target. And I thought if he did do it, because he looked slightly off balance, that it would it would come off the side of his foot and just slice out for a, a goal kick, and he'd be made to look like a bit of a fool. But it was a great finish and. Aside from that, he offered us a lot more um, in all-round play. Um, his movement is brilliant, technically great. Um, he He's clearly got some sort of connection with the wingers already because he knows when to make them space and he knows when to offer to feet. Um, and as I mentioned briefly earlier, he can break the line um, and he can get in behind because he's got that pace. And we know that Kamara has it but he's um, not as clever with it as, as Fonch is. And when he went off, there was clearly uh, some sort of disconnect between the midfield and the three attackers, um, and the ball didn't hold up nearly as well. Um, but, you know, 2 no up and cruising, um, we didn't need to worry about it too much. He did go off uh, with what looked like a bit of a hamstring injury 15 Roy, minutes from time. Yeah, um, do we know if there's anything more serious about that? I haven't seen any news from the club. Hopefully not. He has had injury problems in the past. He was injured last season, which is why he only made uh, 25 appearances for Braga. 
Um, and he has had a little bit of uh, of history with um, niggling injuries that sort of keep him out for two or three weeks at a time. Obviously, it's come at a bit of a good opportunity or a good time for us because we've got two weeks off. But um, we haven't heard anything from the club, but we also haven't heard anything from the club about Tom Kearney's injury um, and other injuries to senior players as well. Um, so I doubt we will hear anything. There was a video straight after the game. Um, well, he did one at Ipswich saying, great to score my first goal, you know, thanks basically for for the support and whatever. And then they did a bit of an extended interview with him, you know, at that and, and with uh, behind the mic lads. So he he clearly isn't isn't that bad because no. he's he's not been rushed off anywhere or gone to see physios. I think uh, the word in the street is that he was potentially was supposed to be back in training today, so I don't think there's too much to worry about just okay. yet. That's good news. Um, let's come on to old AK-47. Now, once again, it was a slightly worrying cameo uh, from our man. And it was a very worrying performance from him on Tuesday. We won't dwell too much on the Bristol Rovers performance. It was obviously a, a very poor evening, um, but he was really the highlight uh, in the poor display from Fulham. He just doesn't look up to it at the moment. And you can say, oh, he's raw. Oh, he's got all of the... He's got all of the attributes that needs to be to be a striker. But, you know, I've got some attributes to be a striker. I, I might be tall, but that's about it. It doesn't mean I'm any good at, like, playing football. I, I think, to be honest, he actually started Tuesday night quite well, I thought. And he actually played a couple of quite cute little touches and then and then made a few breaks uh, behind the defence. At one point, he, he raced in from one side and then he you know he, instead of you know just fizzing the ball across goal where there were lots of people waiting he tried to shoot into the near post mm. which occasionally works at five a side but i don't see working that often against top class goalkeepers or, you know not even top class goalkeepers against professional goalkeepers um it from that moment he started i think he lost his sort of confidence in, in his ability to do that and then after that there was just very little a lot of passes out of place that said everyone was quite poor um, on, on Tuesday and I don't yeah he was he was bad and, and he was you know potentially quite wasteful with the ball but I don't actually you know I'm not one to defend him as, as you know but I don't actually think he was that much worse than anyone else if I'm honest it's his decision making for me that seems the most worrying thing and we saw that on Saturday where he was so obviously offside uh, in a build up play but Steph Joe was coming onto the ball from an onside position and and Steph Joe screamed at him. Yeah. And it's just naive mistakes like that that you're thinking, come on now. The problem wasn't with the fact that he ran onto the ball. I don't really have an issue with that because he's a striker looking to get in behind the defence. That's fine. But Steph was clearly shouting, leave it at him. And it was like one of those things where I was like, I can see Steph shouting, leave it at him. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't hear him. I don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> as in, that would be probably overkill. But I could see Steph shouting. And I just can't see how you can ignore that and just then like go and get the ball anyway like it doesn't make any sense whatsoever and Steph literally threw the book at him straight away like absolutely lost the plot with him and you can see it on the 90 minute highlights he literally is just screaming and it's obvious that he's just really frustrated by the idea that a player can have that little kind of nous mm. on the pitch just to know he doesn't have to know even himself that he's offside although he should but like you know sometimes you get caught that happens but if someone's being like you're offside leave it I'm not you have to leave the ball. It's just for me. It's clearly like a, a young guy in a big, bright new world, and he doesn't really speak the language particularly well. Because every time there has to be something communicated to him, even Neeskins or another player that can speak French has to go over there and translate it for him. I I think I agree with Sammy. The most alarming thing is that yes, he's got all these other attributes that are that are attributed to a good striker. You know, the pace, the power. And he looks to have some sort of, you know finishing ability based on what we've seen in the training videos but the most alarming thing is that technique well like his awareness of himself as a player and his positioning on the pitch is just not what you expect from a striker he doesn't know when to get in behind he doesn't know when to offer defeat he doesn't know how to make space but he doesn't know it yet which doesn't mean he cannot in the future yeah, no, and I think that if if you get him speaking the language and get him speaking it pretty quickly as cliche as this is it really helps when you can speak the language on the football pitch and obviously there's 
there's stories about Joe Hart going to to Torino and learning all the words that he needed to learn to command his box before any other Italian. And if you can get him speaking pretty quickly, communicating with the guys in the midfield, communicating with his fellow wingers and understanding what runs he does and doesn't need to make and when he needs to make them, then he has the makings to be a good striker. But it's just frustrating now. And the fact that he's got a 5 million euro price tag over his head makes us all think that he should be performing now. I don't think that he's a lost cause. No. Um, but I think um, he does probably need to be doing a little bit more than he just is. I just think that it's important to remember that he's the same age as Corley Woodrow. And for the kind of amount of stick that Corley came in for, I'm, you know, I'm, I was the first one to criticise Corley when he had a bad performance, apart from potentially Ben. But it was... <laughs> You know, we were all saying, Never. you know, Corley should have Corley should be at a better level by now. He should be, you know, stepping up and, and really starting to lead those lines. And I don't think that Camera's even close to being as near ready as Corley was. I think Camera has the raw abilities and, and attributes to be a far, you know, more effective striker in this kind of division than Corley Woodrow because obviously, you know, pace and power can actually get you so far in, in these leagues. But we were all saying, you know, by this point, there's a lot of people saying, oh, camera's raw and he's young. He's, yeah, no younger than Corley. And and I think that we're forgetting that that we call, we were all the ones being like, oh, it's too late. Corley's actually starting to, you know, get on a bit now. And I think that it's, it's important to put those things in perspective. And when you're saying that someone is, is a raw player, you're talking about, you know, a 17, 18-year-old. Camera's 22. Yes, there's plenty of time for him to develop. But he's nowhere near ready to be even around the fringes of the first team squad, as far as I'm concerned, at this point. That's not to say that he won't be in the future, but currently I'd have him playing with the 23s. There we go. Uh, your uh, opinions on uh, camera last week were picked up far and wide, Jack, so I'm sure people will be very excited to uh, uh, hear what you had to say uh, this week. Back page um, of the mail. Uh, just a, a few words quickly on the Bristol Rovers defeat before we move on to some of the transfer speculation. Um, it was worrying, um, but Slav almost seemed to kind of throw it at the end. He didn't make a substitution until the 80th minute, and even that was fairly defensive. I guess he's slightly justified in that, in the fact that we did go out, but we ended up getting a win on the Saturday, and that potentially would have been harder to come about if we'd have had to play another half an hour of football. So it's kind of all worked out, but it was slightly worrying at the time. I don't think Slav cares about it, if I'm going to be completely honest, and I no. don't think... I don't think the club cares about it. And I think there's there's one goal in mind, and we all know what that goal is, and it's to return to the Premier League. I don't really, I'm not really fussed that obviously that we played a, a team with a number of 16 year olds in it. It was fairly experimental in the lineup. N- needless to say, it was a shambolic performance, and everyone on the pitch was completely under par. Um, that's the thing that's annoyed me is that we didn't make a good fist of it, and we just went out on a, on basically on a, on a whimper. And a misplaced whimper at that. If we're going to compare it to some of the passes that were played that night, one that was shocking. Let's you know we're not going to dress it up what it isn't because what it was at the end of the day was a chance for some of the players to get some match practice under their belt. And it's the same. It's the same when you're playing like football manager. When it, you know when it goes to those early rounds, you just pick kind of players that you want to be fit and available. So you get like a large injury. You know, for example, before before the mm. whole sort of you know. When you look like Kamara, for example, he obviously knew that Font was coming in and whatnot. He knows that he's going to be on the fringes of the squads. Therefore, we get some match practice. Same with Jallo, same with Maddle. They're all going to be on the fringes. We want them to have some match practice so they're ready to come in. The only thing that I'm concerned about is that a number of these players had the opportunity to, to prove to Slav that they should be in his selection or should be nearer to the first team that they are. And two of those, for me, stand out in particular. first one, Ollie Norwood, who I thought... Mm was in really good contention to be starting against Ipswich and even to hold that possible starting berth down for a long, well, for even in a lot, like a shorter, more immediate term as we wait for K-Mac to get back up to full fitness, which he looks like he's already done, to be mm. fair to him. Um, and then again, Ibrahim Assise, who I thought was not good at all. I didn't think he offered us anything going forward. The only thing he did was try and move the ball forward using power and and speed to sort of like crash the defence. And it didn't do anything apart from leading him down blind alleys. And he took too much time on the ball and he didn't spread it wide enough when we had space there. And I thought 
his whole display was quite disappointing on the whole. Yeah. And I really came into that game expecting him to do something. If they, I've, My feeling is if that Norwood and Cissé were switched around and you just let Cissé pick up the ball and give it to Norwood and let Norwood do the passing, then we would have been much more effective. But they were completely the wrong way around and Cissé's passing was terrible. Okay, well, uh, we'll uh, we'll leave it there for the Ipswich and Bristol Rovers analysis. Uh, we've got loads of transfer speculation to get through, so we'll be getting into that after this. All right, Sammy. All right. How do you feel about beer? Yeah, I like a can or two. How do you feel about free beer? Yeah, I like free cans as well. I like more than three cans, personally. Of course you but do. Here at Fulhamish Podcast, we have a deal for you, which gets you free beers with our friends over at beer52.com. Please do tell more. So if you go to beer52.com and put in the code Fulham, you can either get eight free beers for £0 plus post and packaging or ten beers for £5 plus post and packaging. So basically, if you pay six quid, they deliver you loads of beers. That sounds pretty good. So you just pay for the delivery yeah, and you get free beers. Eight free beers. And does it support the podcast as well? My much-loved favourite podcast. Yeah, and we get benefits from beer52.com as well. Which means we can buy beer. Yeah, for ourselves. And maybe even for you at the pub before a game. Good stuff. What's the code again? Fulham at beer52.com. One more time. Fulham at beer52.com. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here, and I've still got Ben, Jack, and Farrell all with me in the studio. Uh, before we touch on some transfers, just a little bit of homework. Uh, if you have Instagram, uh, please go give us a follow on there. Uh, we're always doing little bits. Uh, over on the gram so you can follow us at Fulhamish pod it would be hugely appreciated and as always if you can leave us some ratings and reviews uh, on itunes five stars preferably uh, that would be hugely appreciated helps other people find the podcast so uh, loads going on in the transfer market to do with fulham uh, the deadline shuts slam shut on thursday at 11 p.m uh, it's going to be a crazy few days in the transfer market generally, obviously, uh, ever since the Neymar transfer um the football world has gone completely mad and there are huge sums of money flying about and they are very much trickling down into the second tier uh, of English football. And the first big transfer that we've got to discuss is a player uh, almost definitely leaving Fulham, although not confirmed uh, at the time that we are recorded, unless Jack has received a Twitter notification within the last 60 seconds. Nope, we're still not no, nothing, I'm afraid. Uh, Sonia Luco, uh, pretty much gone. Uh, to Reading for a reported seven and a half million pounds. That is 12 months after we signed him on a, a free from Hull City. Uh, now, there's clearly uh, been quite a lot of interest in him for around a month or so. Slav said after the Wolfsburg friendly, uh, he'd be very upset if we let Aluko go. Uh, but do you think the promise of impressive replacements plus the form of other players uh, will make Slav a little bit happier about the situation, plus the money that's coming in. If this was recorded before Saturday and I heard that Aluko was was leaving, I'd be I'd be as upset Slav was after the Wolfsburg game because he's. I mean, I I know it's no secret. I think he's one of our best best players. Yeah, you've uh, said it for a long time. Yeah, and he was absolutely phenomenal for large parts of last year, and he played pretty much every game, and Fulham finished sixth, and that's no accident. That it's no coincidence that he was in. He was a large part of why why Fulham was so good. He does bring a lot to the team. Finishing aside, like he does bring everything. He more than makes up for for everything. Um, but now it's after Saturday and seeing the performances of some of the players that come in, like Ojo and and Cabano, I'm not so worried. However, you know he's he, the fact that we're actually selling him to a rival club is a bit worrying. Like who else are we going to give them next? You know. Reading are our direct rivals, and we're giving them one of our best players. Um, but you know, then again, if we do get someone better in, it's you know, arguably, can we get someone better in? Is it realistic to get someone you know as good as or as better than Aluko? But it's also a lot of the case for me of better the devil you know. So yes, uh, we have to live with Sonia Luko's complete lack uh, of clinical finishing, but we don't know who's going to come in. And obviously uh, a lot of people think it's hotter and Jack is very much hoping it's going to be hotter because uh, he has a small sum of money uh, riding, riding on the fact. Yeah, 
I do. Uh, I'd like it more because it would financially benefit me. But, and we know that Hotter is a decent player, but we don't exactly know how he'll fit into the team. So there is some argument that, yes, I know it's a good amount of money, but surely it would be more beneficial to keep a Luka. And as Farrell says, selling him to a rival. Yeah, I think that there's something to be said for the fact that Aluko has been brilliant for us he's a, an exceptionally hard working player and someone that clearly cares about the club you know deep, you know deep, at, at his deep interests at, in his own heart so i think that that's that's important to remember that it's not all about technical ability and and some of it is just you know who's actually going to put in the shift when it comes to the you know do or die moments that said when it's come to those do or die moments you know in times like the playoff you know in the playoff games Johnny Aluko didn't produce the magic that we were expecting from him. And yes, he was excellent throughout last season. But, you know, when it comes to the crunch, okay, it was, you know, there are often too many times where Johnny Aluko provided the flash and the, you know, the the glitz, but not actually any of the end, end product. And whilst he was exceptional at points and, and unplayable on his day, I, I would argue, I think there are options out there that I would take for that kind of money and I think that us losing a Luco isn't the end of the world yes I'm sad about it I'm not I'm not by any you know stretch of the imagination trying to suggest that we should be selling a Luco because you know he has been excellent for us but for 7.5 million I don't think that you can realistically turn that down yeah. in a business sense of mind without you know having to have serious reconsiderations about what you're going to bring in yeah, Ben, seven and a half million. I mean, it just is a sign of the market, isn't it, that we're receiving that money. But it must be tempting for the board to receive such an impressive sum, considering he was bought on a free 12 months ago. It's a huge amount of profit for us, obviously. That's the first point in which you would say, OK, we should probably consider selling him. Um, on the pitch, I think he's a fantastic player, as the guys have already covered, and he offers us so much more than just the um, the goals that he weighed in with last year. I think he makes a lot of assists, can make a lot of space, and he can take the pressure off the team, where some other players may that may be lacking. I think he holds the ball very well and knows how to bring others into play. And he can cut inside and he can take someone down the down the line as well and get to the byline and put in a cross. And I think that's something that he offers that only a handful of our other players in the squad can do, probably your Aitos and your Cabanos. Um, I get these decision-making is not the greatest, but there are other facets of play where he makes up for it. But on a business side of things, if you're looking at Soconomics, which is obviously the buzzword of this podcast now, um, it makes complete sense for us to sell a Luco. We picked him up on a free. I, um, I think that getting the, that money in, especially if a, a chunk of it is up front, um, it gets us around FFP. It allows us to bring in m potentially a number of replacements in almost immediately, obviously before Thursday's deadline. Um, and therefore we know, I think Fulham have already got around FFP by offering out longer contracts and extended payment terms to other other clubs across Europe anyway. So we know how to manage the situation. And if we get someone in like Hotter, or, or also Forestieri has been mentioned, and uh, the guy from Wolves, Jordan Green, has also been mentioned. If we get one of those guys in, it's a really, really good replacement. Um, and and let's not forget that Aluko's uh, 29 in February, and uh, we want to make some money on him whilst we have the opportunity. And also in the last year of contracts, so 7.5 million is good business. Fulham just uh, tweeted about 10 minutes ago at the time of recording, saying, happy birthday to lifelong FFC fan Bill Goodsell who's celebrating his 100th birthday today. I don't know whether it's like a subliminal message for, with Goodsell and Aluko <laughs> coming up. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> Just preparing us for it. <laughs> very, very good. So there's a whole hotter nonsense uh, today with the aforementioned, heavily rumoured to be joining from Brentford, uh, which for me is mostly just funny. I know that Brett uh, Hotter's a good player and I'm excited for that side as well, but is it bad that 95% of me mostly just wants Hotter to come because there's going to be about 3,000 less Brentford fans at the next game in some sort of protest? Uh, that, would put him in, that would put him into minus figures, wouldn't yeah, they? Hey. 
<laughs> Besotted are going to be beside themselves. I'm going to be sitting on the train listening to the entire two-hour debacle as they argue about the departure of Hotter. I just can't wait if I, it happens. I want the club to actually report it as Fulham have signed Brentford's best ever player <laughs> and then not play him. <laughs> I want an open-top bus tour of Hotter through the streets of Brentford. No, I think that might end up with our new player being murdered by some sort of hitman in a Hounslow flat. So maybe we should not do that. They all put in a pound in to the to pay for the assassin. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'd... just liking that we've got another Spanish player that's uh, playing history includes Celta Vigo and Ibar, which is just absolutely amazing. For right me. up your street, Jarman, isn't it? The the inner hipster in me is absolutely, you know, it goes a gasping, small aroused. it goes a small way to replace the hosebed sized hole in your in heart. Your heart. It actually does, you know. I really liked Hosebed and I'm just I'm I'm still a bit disappointed we got rid of him as early as we did, but I think Hotter is much more uh, suited to our playing style and obviously he's done very he's done bits in the championship with twenty three goals and sixty nine appearances, so uh, certainly knows where the goal is um and can offer some sort of uh, uh mag- um sort of like magician like moves as well. I was chatting to Billy the Bee earlier, who runs the Besotted podcast. Yeah, if you're not sure what I was going on about, Besotted is a uh, is Brentford is a Brentford podcast. He is far from buzzing um, about this move, um, but he was just telling me a little bit more insight into it. The Hotter's agent has been trying to get him a Premier League club. Uh, pretty much since the start of the summer. Apparently has promised Hotter uh, that he would get him a Premier League club, but the time is running out uh, to get himself a move to the Premier League. And, and for me, I feel like... I know, Hotter's, Watford. I know Hotter's good, but I don't think he's a good enough player at this level to go up to the Premier League unless he goes up with a promoted side. So it was probably uh, a lot of hot air. Apparently West Ham have been rumoured to be interested, but they did the same with Scott Hogan uh, last January, and then he ended up at Aston Villa and uh, upset the uh, Brentford fans after uh, saying he would only move to a Premier League club. He moved to Aston Villa and said, well, they're all but a Premier League club. Yes, OK, all but <laughs> in status. Um, so he's running out of ideas, Hotter's agent, and now trying to tout him around. Borough have also been linked. But Jack, you, you, you seem fairly confident that it, it's a move that certainly Fulham are looking at. Whether it ends up happening is... Okay, is are we? No, anyone's guest. I just, I just think that you know, with what Slavisa said about um, Aluko early in the window, I can't see us letting Aluko go without having someone in you know vaguely in in mind and in sort of you know straights. And I think you know, while everyone seems to say Sky Sports and stuff is saying that Aluko is done, um, there's been no hint of an announcement from either side, which is odd. I think um, I, I don't I don't think that that's you know what's normally happens. And I think that. I think Yacht is the only player that seems to be genuinely linked by, you know, a number of people and a number of different sources um, who who would be the, you know, obvious replacement. So I think that therefore we're, you know, in territory here that would suggest that it's, you know, hopefully coming to the fore. Do you think he can make a serious difference to our team? I think it would be an exceptionally useful signing to have. He's obviously... Um, a very versatile player, you know, he comes off the he comes off the comes off the wing, mm. which offers us that kind of incisive uh, player in the way that we talked about Piazon. He could cover a ten role if necessary. Um, I, I don't think he'd even be, you know, I don't, you know, his work rate isn't quite as quite the same. But I wouldn't wouldn't say he'd be technically outclassed in the middle of the park, um, and could probably even operate as a false nine if 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 we, if we so desired. So I think to have you know, that kind of versatility in a squad player uh, would be excellent. And I, I I think that the deal would make sense for all parties involved, personally. Hotter as a false nine would be like all my hipster dreams come true. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> a Spanish false nine playing for Fulham would be amazing. Um, just going back to Jack, what Jack says about multiple sources um, <laughs> talking about a deal, we've also had um, this come up just recently, probably in the last 48 hours, about a deal going or edging closer to Forestieri from um, Sheffield Wednesday for a quite a sizable fee. I think like, well, I've seen 10 to 12 million um, sort of bounded about, which sort of makes me think that if we are selling a Luco, we're going to have to put our hands in our pockets plus the fee um, to get Forestieri. But I think he would add something to our team that we don't currently have. And he can definitely bang goals from anywhere. So I think he's, he's someone that would be, as Jack, in Jack's words, exceptionally useful. Um, 
but I don't think it would work from for an FFP standpoint. And we also need to get a centre back in as well. Let's not forget that. Well, yeah, on that front, uh, Grant Hanley uh, was linked Dun, with us today. Dunton Norwich. Dunton Norwich. Linked. Okay, I was going to say he was also linked with oh, Derby. Really? Officially announced? No, not officially, but as in all but done. Uh, and then um, also linked with us, um, and this sounds far more like a Fulham signing of late, uh, Bjorn Engels, uh, Belgian under-21 international from Club Rouge, uh, linked with Stoke all through the summer, but apparently they're more keen on signing Kevin Vimmer. Um, they've done it. They've done that as well. Yeah, 18 million. So, but as uh, going back to Bjorn Engels, um, as with all these kind of signings uh, from the Belgian leagues, I don't know uh, too much about him, but certainly his credentials... Set, sound sound impressive and no doubt yeah. the stats department will have done uh, their full research on him. Well Engels is a guy that is pretty much hotly tipped to be a, a full Belgian um, international for, for their men's national team in the future. Um, he can play a multiple of roles um, namely centre uh, centre defensive midfield and also can play centre back and play centre back last year um, for Club Brugge um, but can also operate down the right hand side as well. He's fairly tall. He's quite rangy. Got a bit of. Um, he's very like tactically switched on and understands positioning quite well. Um, so I can see why a lot of clubs would be very interested in him, and he's definitely got that pedigree. Um, something coming out of Belgium today said earlier that we are interested in him, but we're not anywhere close to leading the race. Um, and also, there's a, there's a Championship club in for him, um, much further down the line than we are. Um, and there's also some Premier League interest. Stoke is one of the clubs linked, and another one of them, I think, could be Watford and also West Brom. Um, but uh, Stoke, as we said, just signed um, Kevin Vimmer for £18 million. I don't know how Spurs have managed to get £18 million out of Stoke for a reserve centre-back that hasn't really shown too much and isn't entirely mobile, but that's for another podcast. But if that one goes through, just theoretically speaking, mm. assuming that if we're going to splash the cash on, on another centre-back... Um, who would you, you know, assuming that he will he will start, who would you replace him for? Would you take Callas or Ream out? Well, I think uh, you wouldn't take any of them out. You'd probably have him on the bench. Um, and I think if you were going to play him anywhere, it might be as a uh, defensive midfielder. Or if, if Slav wanted to go very left field, you could switch to a three at the back formation with two wing backs so you Seems can either class that as a three or a five which is very much in fashion right now yeah. but for the way we play and the class that we have in central midfield I don't think we'd want to do that because we use um, McDonald as basically a third centre back anyway um, and also if you look at the way Arsenal play they've got a lot of uh, quality in midfield but they don't use it because they've got wing backs instead which means they have to drop one out from the forward line or midfield and then they don't play through midfield anymore like like they used to and like we do now. So switching to a five at the back wing back system, in mm. my opinion, just wouldn't work for us. Didn't work for us when we played Reading away last yeah. season either. I was going to say, that we, he did play two or three times that It uh, changed when we, pl- when we played Ipswich last, last year, it changed because they were playing 4-2-4 and they started to come at us at the start of the second half. So we brought Ragnar on and that changed uh, everything. That did, yeah. But when we've played it from the get-go and when we've played with it at times, it hasn't suited us at all because we don't retain the ball near, nowhere as near well enough and we also can't press as high. I'd be very I'd be very surprised if Slav wants to try and change the system. I don't think he will. Now, yeah. He'll just put Hotter in as a false nine and answer everyone's <laughs> dreams. Well, the transfer deadline, as I mentioned, is on Thursday at 11pm UK time. Uh, as we said, we expect uh, a Luco to go. We expect probably someone in the attacking sense to come in. And then I guess um, the main hope for everyone else, probably just a centre-back other than that. Uh, we've got the left-back obviously sorted and we discussed Rafa Schwarz uh, at length last week. Would you expect or want really anyone else other than that, a replacement for a Luco, some sort of attacking player and then a centre-back? Mbappe maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd <laughs> be on the can, ba- as a backup. We can make backup. some calls, yeah. see if he's available. We can. Uh, I think, yeah, I think we could do that. But we'd also, I think, we should save now because obviously Messi's contract runs up in January. Yeah. So I mean, you can we can pick him up on a free then. So that's probably it. Yeah, I think that's probably what we're looking at. Maybe okay. PK on loan for the year. Um, no, in, we also in, do need to start thinking about the Champions League in uh, eighteen nineteen, don't we? 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, that's and, it's, and it's a World Cup year, so we need to save our players for that. As yeah, well. exactly. That's Tony Khan's uh, goal, isn't it? Champions League in the next sort of like ten years or so, I think. Yeah, I think he said he was going to make us the Manchester United of the South. <laughs> yeah. So international break for a couple of weeks. Uh, we will have several players uh, on international duty. One of those won't be Tom Kearney, who pulled out the squad. Thank God. Today, um, decision that was decision. having some sort of knee. I don't know if it was surgery. He looked like he was just having a silicon gel uh, placed on his knee over in Barcelona. But he's obviously going to be having, be having a bit of work uh, on that. Happy one-year anniversary, by the way, to uh, TC. Saw that on Instagram last oh, night. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. Farrell is actually our medical expert, so I think we should uh, <laughs> ask him about what he knows about TC's knee being put on the gel. Well, just uh, just knees and ankles. I think that's as far as I can go. And man flu. I'm pretty good at that. Uh, but the, the gel is usually... Um, <laughs> It's applied not not as kind of a, a healing thing, but it aids recovery. And it's usually after a long time after a specific sort of injury. And it's applied and you it's like an electromagnetic gel and it kind of stimulates all the cells in there to start repairing again. So that might, it's probably that, you know, if he's had like a little bit of a, a niggle that's been going on for a little while and he's already recovered and then played a game, it's then just sort of stimulating those cells to start repairing or ever so minute things in there so that then he can sort of keep playing and keep his maintain his fitness rather than actually sort of repairing a significant injury. And he's in Barcelona having this. Um, it's not a medical at either FC Barcelona or Espanyol. Uh, I don't think so. My sources uh, out there have not seen him at either training ground. Because so. they've still got about 90 million left over after the Usman Dembele transfer. Well, they're going to have to raise some more cash if they want Tom Kearney off us. I like your knowledge that you know Espanyol's in Barcelona. Not a lot of people know that, actually. Not there we go. Know that. I'm not just a pretty face, Ben. You're not. You're a good striker as well, apparently. I'm tall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm both, just disappointed. Both, tick, we, both boxes ticked there. He's yeah. tall. I'm just disappointed that we aren't using horse placenta on Kearney's knee. Like, or or uh, quark. Costa, Costa used to... Um, or cheese. When was, yeah, when he was rushing back for the Champions League final, um, Diego Costa had horse placenta treatment on a hamstring injury. Yeah. It's quark, by the way, is the cheese one. Is it's it? Actually, it's actually a well-known thing in Germany. Magat not so not so mad, was he, after all? Didn't Magat go well, ask one of well. the staff to go buy it from Waitrose, though? Yes, he did. Well, he went for the best, didn't he? <laughs> is quark available in Waitrose? I wouldn't know. Um in this two weeks, though, give us a little bit of time to recuperate after what has been a fairly frantic start to the season. Seven games in less than a month, in in kind of three or four weeks, really. I just wanted to quickly ask you guys, before we move on to the post bag, uh, what you would rate the first five league games out of ten. So, Ben, I'm just going to start with you. Quick answer. Out of ten, what would you rate the first five games? 6.5. 6.5. So, okay, yeah. steady but not too exciting if we'd had two Ipswich like performances um, I think it would have gone up to around about 7.5 but um, I think we've had a solid enough start and we look to be just hitting uh, hitting our stride again so yeah ask me after the international break and it may change yeah I can't argue with that at all I'm actually going to go dead on with, with Ben 6.5 as well <laughs> this is why I love you Fow are you going to change the answer just for sake of argument yeah because I'm not I'm not going to unwillingly follow Ben all the time don't be a sheep um, like even though a lot of the time I, I take his word as gospel uh, so I'll just go solid 7 throughout. solid 7 okay Danny what about you um, I will do you know what I'm going to go even higher than that I was so pleased after that Ipswich performance I think that the Sheffield Wednesday one was a blip and we're only looking at league games here as well because I was a little bit annoyed by the Bristol defeat on Tuesday but just looking at league games I think Sheffield was a blip I think we could have won that Sheffield game had we just taken some chances I don't think we were outclassed by them I don't think we've been outclassed in any game I actually thought the point at Leeds was a was a great performance I thought the point at Reading was brilliant and actually, I thought most of the game against Norwich. So I'm actually kind of go seven and a half, pushing eight, because I just thought that Saturday was that good, and I'm feeling very confident, and I'm quite happy to be in that pack of teams in the middle rather than uh, up high, generating attention. But that game against Cardiff in, in the a couple peloton, of some could say, yeah, in that that week. <laughs> <laughs> 
That game wow. in a couple of weeks looking pretty big. Right, Jack. That was Jack. really good. Ah, oh, oh, brilliant. I open the post it. bag before any more terrible puns come out. Okie dokie. Let's get them sweet rustles. Um, we got a direct... <laughs> <laughs> Sammy's just destroyed the studio. Sounds like Sammy fell off his chair. <laughs> Right, we got an, 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 a message in the inbox, which is, is a rarity, from JP Sports, who's uh, Joey from Vancouver. And he says... Howdy. Fonte scored his first goal in a Fulham shirt on the weekend, and what a goal it was. What is the best goal you've ever seen for Fulham for a Fulham player to open their account? And Joey's choice is Papa Booba Diops against Chelsea. What a goal. I think this is a great question. Like, a really good question. Oh, I'd need, like, ten minutes to think the, about it. Um, the Kasami wasn't his first goal, was mm, it? No, it wasn't. They scored that weird no, header against Sunderland. Uh, against Sunderland. <laughs> Which I had five pounds on Kasami to score first that day. That was probably the proudest moment of my life. Well, if, if only you got that with, with bad yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. £20 free. Mate, it was 16 to 1. It was oh, outrageous. Think of the money it you could get out. with Ladbrokes. <laughs> Bet.fullamish.co.uk <laughs> Uh, who would like to start the bidding on this one? It's a great Sammy. question. You can start the bidding. Yeah. My one wasn't a great goal in terms of technically, but what a moment. Philip Christonval, 3-3 against West Ham in the final minute. What a game and what a moment. I was there that game. That was brilliant. That was a great one. I remember watching it on some sort of stream, but I just, I just, I've got such a solid memory of it. So I'm going for Philip Val. Do you know who I was tempted to go for, though, from a recent one? Go on then, Sam. Syriac last year against Blackburn, because oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a screaming goal, and it deserved to win the match. Yeah, it did. It really did. It was a very good strike. I'm going to go Benjamin. Well, he Mavin. scored his goal. Yeah, Ben's first goal. Complete <laughs> mind blank. I think I'm going to go for Hammer Boetis' free kick against Man City. Yeah. But if oh. not, I would have gone for Fonte's goal at the weekend. Fair enough. Until P.S. Go Canucks. <laughs> Farrell. Uh, well, I was going to go Brian McBride's tap-in from half a yard out versus, I think it was Spurs, I think it was. Uh, but I think I'll go John Harley's first goal. Absolute screamer. That was that his first goal? Yeah. I but think he it played was his, for us I, for quite a while. I think it was actually his only goal. His only goal, yeah. Yeah, I think it was his only goal. What's oh, an what only about goal? the Paul Kincheski one against West Ham? Was that his first ever that, goal? I think that was his only goal too. That's a crap. Oh, that I think I'm going to change. Team. I'm going to change. No, the, no. the two left backs. But that <laughs> was a rubbish backs. game in the end. Yeah, no, it didn't yeah. go well in the end. I'm going to go with another old school one. I'm going to go for Fabrice Fernandez. Um, oh, well, from 1999, where he scored an absolute world of a free kick against Man United in the FA Cup. And we lost the game 2-1. But mm. that iconic celebration with his arms out and the tongue out um, running around the pitch. And that was probably, I think I, I remember sitting on on the wall, in, on the sort of stan- stanchion. <laughs> in the, That's um, why he scored it. He was sitting on top of the wall. On top yeah, of yeah, yeah. I was sitting on top <laughs> yeah. of, yeah, yeah. Um, but on the like post that used to be in the Hammersmith end. And I remember jumping off the post. I must have been about six. Um, um yeah, so that's going to be mine. I, think. I tell you who else scored a good debut goal. Um, Jimmy Bullard against Sheffield United yeah. just before he huge, got injured. Huge goal as well. An it was. amazing free kick. Yeah, 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 that really got him going um, until he got injured the next week. Yeah, exactly. Um, Old Scotty Parker did that. But yeah, but, but Bubu Diop's one. Would, if if uh, is that a debut make, goal? I don't think it was. No, it wasn't debut. But I remember. Sorry, I, I mean, as his, was that as his goal. first goal? The one was against, that one against Chelsea? The one against Chelsea yeah, was, was yeah, his yeah, first. Yeah, I mean, it was oh. an absolute. That like, was a scream. But I remember, I remember. The shame about that was we conceded sixty seconds afterwards. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I remember shouting out, like, that's the best goal I've ever seen, and then Iron Robin decides to pick up, take on every single player two or three times, and fire it bottom corner. That's one of the most impressive teams I've ever seen live. I hate to say it, but that day they but were that, good. That Chelsea team was it four one in the end, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. I think yeah. Duff scored, Lampard scored, Lampard always scored against us. Yeah, and he um, loved it as well. Who did that question? I know they were from Vancouver. I forgot their name. Um, it was Joey from Vancouver who comes under the, the term underscore JP Sports underscore. So thank you, Joey. That's Amazing a question. Cracking question. Core, core, core um, get involved on that question at Fulhamish Pod. I yeah, might have to put a tweet out as well because yeah. it's a brilliant question. Let us know your favourite first goals for the club. That was a, a wicked one. Um, there's some some important ones here. There's a lot about you know Yotta and Luca, which we've which we've already touched on. Um, currently, Joe FFC Joe says, currently, who would you pick as your front three if all are fully fit and available? Uh, assuming not including any new signings. No, not including any new signings. And you can, for the moment, still include a Luco, although I probably wouldn't, for posterity's sake. We all know Jack's going to pick King Cav. Yeah. <laughs> I would go Fonch, Cabana. I think Cabano is undroppable. 
at the moment. Um, and on the right, I liked Ojo. I, I, I would be tempted to say that that front three again. But I mean, I always think there's a place for Aite as well. Mm. Ben? I'm just trying to get brownie points with Ben. Ben, who would you have? Left wing, Niskan Scabano. Through the middle, Rui Fonch. Right wing, Freud Aite. Yep, fair enough. Farrell? Um, I thought this would have been an easy... Did you say we can include a Luco? Yeah, you can. I oh, thought this was going Luka. to be an easy uh, one just to say uh, a Luco on the right. Stevie Font. Humphreys through the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Font. And a recalled Corley Woodrow on the left. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, on the right, God. <laughs> uh, and then I would have gone Aite on the left, but after Cabano's recent form, I think it's difficult to overlook him on the left-hand side of the three. I would go with you, Samia, and, and pick the first, the three that started at the weekend. Um, I'd be interested to see when Aite gets back to full fitness and Ojo gets up to whatever he perceives to be as 100% sharpness. Um, what the kind of rotation in the system is going to be surrounding them. I'm also interested to see that if Aluko leaves, and you know, I don't think this will happen, but we don't bring anyone else in, if that frees up a spot for George Williams. That interests <laughs> me. I, yeah, I after just, all this time, I, I've, I can't even find... play in the Carabao Cup. That yeah. it, it, all of it interests me. I'm, I, I don't know what's going on there, but it's interesting. He's been looking at the Fulham Facebook page too long, haven't you? No, I, I, I don't go on there. I, I'm scared of it now. Um, <laughs> I just feel like there's probably just going to be people slagging me off all the time, so I probably left it. Um, we've had some a good, some more good questions. This one's from Morgan, Morgan Calton, who is a, a long-time friend of the pod. Yes. Um, he says, we've been linked with a lot of players, but name one player we haven't been linked with that you, sh- you think we should have been in for. Neymar. Oh, come on, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> come on, man. We were linked with him. Do you not see the reports? Um, Doherty from Wolves. Um, Sammy? Uh, another one from Wolves, and I see that Reading are on the Slap cusp him of yeah. signing him up, uh, is Dave Edwards. Uh, I've always liked him. I know he plays very similar position to what we've already got, but... No one goes into the box as well as Dave Edwards does. Apart mm. from Frank Lampard in his prime. Yeah, there you go. Doesn't Dave Edwards has, has been a regular goal scorer against Fulham? Yeah, yeah he, loves exactly. yeah. he loves scoring at the cottage as well, so I think it would have yeah. been a, a very useful one. I'm scared of him coming down with Reading. He's yeah. always that guy that appears late, late into the box and skims one in just across the grass clips the post and just nestles in that's his goal and now or I've a diving se- header and now I've seen that he's potentially available and go and potentially going to Reading Nelson Oliveira I would not mind him at Fulham I yeah. think he's a brilliant striker I don't think he's going to go there anymore um, with, with the Aluko deal if that goes through I can't see them splashing that out twice um, under FFP they haven't really sold anyone no off note so, I mean, I can't, I mean, it's possible, but I, I don't think they're going to sign both of those players. But I would love, if he was available, yeah, I'd, he, I'd he would be brilliant. Although maybe play. not the strike we need now we've got Fonch, but that's it. That's a moot point. But it's, um, you know, nice. The, uh, the one I was a bit annoyed with that we weren't even linked with was, and was just picked up, was Daryl Murphy. I would have thought he would have, he would have been great for mm. us, I thought. And the fact we weren't even sort of linked with him was, and he just went to Forest. I was like, oh, he's gone to Forest. Oh. Right, you know he, the thing. I I, I agree. With you, he would score goals. You just know he'd score goals. Yeah, yeah. Because he just always does at this yeah, level. He He's like the Kevin Phillips, the new Kevin Phillips, just know, always scores goals yeah, at this level. Kevin uh, the was thing is, though, this was small, and, and Darren Darren Murphy is <laughs> no. Huge. I more meant in the I more meant in the state of the fact he always scores goals at this level, despite. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Not necessarily, even yeah. though in Phillips he kind of passes years almost. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and. I mean, this was before we signed Font, so, you know, it's not a case of Daryl Murphy is definitely better than Font. Yeah, I think I think mine mine would have been uh, Sean Maguire from <laughs> Cork City. I'm not even being weird here. Uh, he went to Preston, he scored like an unprecedented amount of goals in the LOI last year and has gone to Preston for about £300,000. I don't think he'd be a starter in this system. But for the amount of money that's being thrown around, I feel like there should have been more clubs interested in him. He's got a full international Preston, call up now. Uh, Preston picking up quite a lot of players from League of Ireland, yeah, don't they? they? Richie Towell as well. Yeah, and obviously and, Horgan in January. Yeah, and Horgan. And, yeah, so, um, Jordan Huger is another one that hasn't been linked with us. We could yeah. pick up. Yeah, he's I, been transferred. Oh, he's handing a transfer request today. That's Come interesting. To but I probably don't think we're going to sign him now. I suppose the one we all, we all talked about forever was um, Barkhausen. But Barkhausen. But, you know, that isn't going anywhere by the looks of things. So. 
There we are. Um, we have a couple more. Umberto just didn't ask a question, just shouted hashtag Bank Holiday Monday. I saw Umberto at Carnival. So that was a, that oh, was did a highlight. You? He was also there on Saturday. Yeah, Good we boy. saw him. We saw lots of fun. Um, the last one I'm going to go with is by Brendan Mazar, who's at, is really interestingly, at a zoo visited, um, as in like a London zoo, um, which is a new one. But he says... Does Cabano's finishing ability trump Aluko's playmaking ability? I'm going to start with Ben Jarman. Oh, they kind of like they play off one another, don't they? Mm. It's very it's, I wouldn't. I don't think the right word is counterintuitive, but that's how it feels to me. I think the question is, which one would you rather have in your side if you had to pick one? So it's, it's Cabano. Yeah, Farrell. It's a good point you kind of bring up. Like, imagine they're like they're both rated one apiece but then together they're like worth three or four players aren't they mm, yeah because like I said earlier Luca can hold the ball Luca can make mm. space Luca can relieve pressure I'm not sure Cabano can do that as well but Cabano can finish a lot better than Luca yeah. can oh bloody hell yeah Cabano uh, I'd go Luke, I'd go Luca. I'd go Cabano as well I think Cabano's terrific and after seeing him on Saturday I just think he's far more what we need uh, and I think we need someone that takes their chances and I think we've got plenty of players that can create chances uh, but players like Cabano that finish them regularly time and time again and have that directness to go towards goal. And we saw it with the second in particular, I think uh, is what Fulham is lacking more of. So I would go Cabano. But I, would, I would too. And that concludes some of the, the post-bag things for today. Um, I hope you know most of the ones about you know Yotta and Aluko that we've sort of touched on earlier have been answered by our, our previous segment. Um, as always, thanks for all your questions. Uh, they're brilliant. Oh, um, great questions this week. You've really upped your game, listeners. Well done. And <laughs> shouts out to Will and Joe, who asked us to do a live podcast on deadline day. Unfortunately, it's not actually feasible unless something you know major happens, in which case we'll put something out. But um, <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be sitting here just like drinking tea. I just sleep in Farrell's basement. <laughs> I don't think we're going <laughs> to be doing that captures. much on deadline day. So we're going to... Um, yeah, we're gonna have unfortunately have to leave that. But thank if you some for big your... stuff, if some big stuff happens between now and then, I'm sure we'll we will react. do some sort of Facebook Live or something else like that. But I don't know if we're going to be able to do a podcast. Yeah, well, but thank you for your support and and the the, the thoughts you've had of us. This is very kind. It's the thought that counts. Okay, well, uh, we're coming to the end of today's podcast. Secretary Jack, please, could you name today's episode? I've had some thoughts on this. Uh, most of them relate to the you know our Spanish. Uh, pursuits, if, if you will. Um, I did was thinking, feeling <laughs> hot, 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 as in J O T. Um, I also thought to be B E E or hot to be. Uh, but then I nearly threw up. Then oh my ben and Farrell told me that if I did that, then I would um, probably be sacked. So I've just gone with a load of hot air? Question mark. Much better. Much, much better. better. Well done. Is that hot as in a J-O-T-A? No, I've just gone with J-O-T. But, I mean, we could put a J-O-T-A. I feel of like... Hotter air? Okay, that'll do. Well, think... you could actually just have it as one word. J-O-T-A-I-R. Hot air. I'm going to go a lot of hotter <laughs> air. <laughs> That's what we're going with. It's done. It's finished. We're having it. That's well, what you're having, listeners. I still think a whole hotter nonsense. A whole hotter love is... Uh, well, there's nothing to be like. Not there's nothing to be. There's no nonsense. Yeah. Is there? But that. Well, no. I guess it's not nonsense. You're just trying to fit the word hot into any sentence you can think of. You might as well just say hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that next week when he has signed. Hey, tell you what. There's some merchandise right there. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Stick his face on that. Brilliant. Cult zeros or Indeed. whatever it is. Nice guys. There's your. Ne- there's your there's next, your next one. Have that one for on us for free. Yeah, free. All right, well, thank you for listening uh, for today's podcast. Uh, we always appreciate having you on board. Uh, we're not sh- too sure what's going on next week uh, in the international break. Uh, we will give you some more podcast news uh, in the next coming days. All I know is that we will definitely be back for a podcast after the Cardiff game, which is in a fortnight's time. Hopefully we will have something for you uh, between now and then, but I cannot guarantee anything. But keep your eyes uh, on all the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Pod is where you can find us. So, Ben Jarman, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Sammy. Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you, Sam. And Farrell Monk, thank you very much. Thank you, Sam. See you later. Bye. Breakfast yet?
Up the you, right? Fire!